Jackson and Sandy, original podcast series, episode number two, work from home mode. Good to have you, Sandy. So last time we kind of talked a little bit about us, which is more unusual. And I thought today we could talk a little bit about how we've been dealing with this vis-a-vis kind of clients and the work. And I thought what was a really kind of interesting framework would be, I feel like we're in a Churchill way at the beginning of the end of the first phase, maybe is that maybe being too optimistic, but I feel like we're close to this first phase where um, of the pandemic, where it's not crisis every second or um, kind of dealing with the now 24 hours a day. It's starting to feel like that second phase of like what will happen when we are able to open up just a little bit, of the economy, not even about getting back to work, more about like, what will that second phase look like? Um, So I thought I'd ask, you know, what, what do you think you, you learn from phase one? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good question. And I I think, you know, just in, you know, in listening to you describe those phases, I know for, for me and for us, phase one felt action mode in order to keep things safe and then keep things moving. I think, you know, phase two is a lot more, okay, let's breathe, let's be reflective, and let's think about how uh, this is going to play out. So it's, it's, it's been good that we've been able to, uh, to sit back. I think, I think, though, the flip side of this is phase two is more challenging for, for those reasons. And, you know, it's like whether, um, you know, talking to clients, hearing, okay, I'm done with this work from home thing or sure would be nice to cut my hair or whatever it might be. I think, you know, the, the, the psychological and morale aspects are, are becoming a much bigger factor now. So I think, I don't know if I've answered your question, but I kind of feel that that's, that's kind of uh, some differences between, yeah. uh, between the two. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are good points. I hadn't even like thought about that. Like my head was going to just the, uh, the first kind of phase is need for um, clear messaging and transparency and like most of all kind of speed and I guess relevancy of that messaging seemed to be like that discipline to um, getting the right message at the right time to the right people and making sure it it made sense to people whether you were doing a traditional kind of message of of by now as much as you could be um or more of transitioning your messaging to a more of these are the steps we've taken in phase one if you're a brand that has people coming into your stores or um your 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 retail units or your your business units have been you know essentially shut there's a there was a lot of that like real quick sort of transition to gotta have a message on your home site you gotta have a a special page of all the things you're doing to protect your team and staff and consumers and that that speed of those things and the clarity of those messages i think sticks with us as we move into phase two which will be all those plus the intricacies of um, 
long-term social distancing. Exactly. And, you know, some thought and reflection for, you know, whether it's a lot of our clients or potential clients or just people out there operating businesses, it's really taking a step back and assessing, you know, based on what we have and what we can do, what should our services and products be? What can we modify? And it's, you know, in a, in a bit of a, you know, all hands on deck. What can we do to keep the taps open and keep revenue coming in? And it's been it's been interesting, even in this phase one, having new business meetings with clients who have needs, new needs, met new needs during a time where like they don't have a partner to help them with. And you're doing business as usual of responding and meeting and building a relationship with potential clients in the midst of a, we only met you on a Zoom call. Yeah, but you, you know what I found, what, what's fascinating, I mean, even just culturally is in a really unexpected way, oddly, and we've been fortunate to have some of those situations where we've been talking about new opportunities with, with new people, is it, oddly, it seems like it, it can be more personal than an in-person meeting. And, you know, I can't think of, uh, you know, many examples of the opportunity to see where someone lives right off the bat, for example. And, and, and not only that, but I'm sharing where I live. And, and that's, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not as gussied up as I typically am by virtue of, you know, work from home day 50 or whatever it is. You don't, you, you don't have your, your pitched <laughs> jeans and fancy shirts at your, uh, at your location currently. Exactly. And then, you know, and, and, and obviously this is something that's been eroding over, over, you know, the years, but that whole, there's my work persona and my home persona, but those walls are being bashed down totally. I mean, you can't, you know, it's not like people purposefully hide aspects of themselves when they're, um, I'm going to call it WFO, which is working from office. So uh, just coin that phrase wow. right now. But, Trademark uh, pending, Sandy. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, you know, it's not like we often advertently hide aspects of ourselves. But when people are working from home, uh, they just can't help but make those more readily apparent to people they're engaging with. And, and, and then, you know, as we talked about last time, there's probably more of the that sense of we're all in this together that has made human connections more more uh more available so so that's you know it's called a silver lining aspect to this so that that i think's been been a really uh positive benefit to uh the era of of pitching during covid mm -hmm. yeah, it was it was interesting you weren't on it when i talked to someone today um and that that's how i came to the Maybe we're at the the beginning of the end of the first phase in that uh, talking to a prospective client and they they were almost em embarrassed to like like talk or complain about you know being working from home. They were very mm -hmm. very like oh it, nobody wants to hear that story anymore. And yeah, it's mostly only been about six weeks for most people. So to think that that in six weeks you're already to the point of like, we're all, we're definitely all in this together so that I don't have any new stories to share with, <laughs> with, uh, with you is kind of an, an interesting take of like, um, of how to approach that first kind of meeting. It wasn't on video. So it was like 
I hadn't, I don't think I've done a non-video call except from the beer guy in six weeks. I, I do like that kind of everyone has a, a shared sense of the same circumstance currently. Yeah, exactly. Same set of challenges, some different, some um, big, but kind of exciting that, that people are starting to reach out um, with new challenges in spite of the world being turned upside down. So I was going to ask, you know, I, I know I was trying to set us up not to talk about ourselves, but I thought maybe we could talk about pounding grain and then kind of transition to what that means for some of our clients. But, you know, in terms of moving to this next phase, um, depending on where you are in Canada, I think within the month of May, there's going to be some getting back to normal or, or opening for us at Town and Grain, do you have any? Have you given any thought to what, say, going back to the office looks like at all yet? Yeah, I, I have, and and really, you know, this is, uh, you know, more just things I've thought about versus us sitting down as partners and talking about how it's going to roll out. But I, and maybe we've done some of it, but I, you know, I definitely envision a, you know, a world with with. Uh, not the same need for office space so whether it's smaller offices or whether it's you know what are wfo and wfh staggered shifts perhaps where you know you have some people coming in one day and others coming in another i mean you know much the same way restaurants or restaurants are trying to figure it out well what's the new max capacity kind of thing i think there's an opportunity to think about that too and you know there's going to be a huge educational process that goes with this and you know i think while while you know we're talking specifically about what does may hold i think what i believe based on what i've read from uh different uh people who actually know what they're talking about in terms of how this could unfold is i think a new york times reporter described it very poetically he called it there'll be a lot of uh the hammer and the dance it sounds like a, a poem or something but what that means is you know so come may maybe we and other businesses will try easing up on certain things and then at some and that'll obviously be happening on a broader municipal uh level as well and then all of a sudden there might be another community uh, outbreak and then the hammer comes down and then everyone goes back to the work from home and then it's opening things up, which is the dance again, seeing what works and what doesn't work. So, you know, I'll just say, I think there will be a lot of trial and error and, you know, for uh, an extended period of time. So we're going to have to really watch and learn in terms of what does and, and doesn't work. I think we have the luxury in marketing to, to also like not have to be a first mover in rushing back to the office. I know our producer Scott will cringe. Um, both I told them uh, earlier today that like we were going to have to work in shifts and he was going to have to do the midnight shift and he wasn't allowed to sit near me <laughs> when we moved back to the office. And he liked that, I think. But I, I definitely think we can, lots of our clients, particularly and us in the marketing field, um, while we all agree we're very essential in the business world, uh, we can probably give give right away to other more essential businesses going rushing back to the to the business as usual, and we could probably not have to fight our way back to be first in line to go back to the offices. Exactly. What else do you think we can we can offer clients um, kind of as we transition to that next next phase? Because um, we've already kind of 
reached out to them kind of in our first, I don't know, kind of comms, recos, packages that we sent out to lots of our clients about what ideas we had for them. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on kind of what things we should ready for, for phase two? Sneak peek here. Yeah, you know, and I think when we, we were talking earlier today about that, in that phase where uh, so many businesses are now trying to figure out, well, what are the fundamental or, you know, medium term uh, changes that are going to happen to their products or services? I think it's it's super important that we as an agency could be dialed in uh, to those conversations so we can start thinking about well how can we provide that that marketing support and uh you know what what does make sense you know if a if a business is is dropping significantly in terms of its capacity well um maybe that means a shift in marketing and maybe that's a shift in tactics and it's 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 no longer about uh you know, mass channels and, and focusing a lot more on uh, stretching that dollar through digital. You know, I think that first phase was a lot more about messaging and tone and to your point, transparency. Um, but I still think as businesses evolve their offers, there's going to need to be a large educational component as well. And I think that's where agencies can provide uh, a large role as well. I like that. I, I also like while you were talking, I was just thinking about maybe not necessarily our direct our direct clients, but so many of the kind of, I don't know, I want to say rules <laughs> have been like thrown out and rewritten in real time, whether it's, you know, how we get beer or how we get deliveries or that you can get <laughs> pre-mixed cocktails in a Ziploc bag delivered to your, <laughs> to your home um, within hours that didn't exist before. And what I was thinking while you were talking is just, it's so cool to see how quickly businesses can adapt. And now it'll be interesting for companies like us, which do both some of the communications of how those things um, operate in terms of messaging and, and, and advertising, but also on the, the user experience side, because I feel like the user experience side will need to play catch up because there was a lot of like, yeah, just call us to place your order which, you know, is just like the most efficient way to do it. And that's what people were just like, yeah, I'll, I'll suck it up and do that, which I wouldn't have done three months ago. I wouldn't have like called someone. That's weird. Um, but I think there'll, there'll be a huge opportunity of these things. Now people will be like, no, this is the, this is the new normal. And now user experience needs to catch up with what that new normal is about like how to make those processes and changes easy and quicker and more streamlined and smooth uh, for people. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, I don't, it's not an easy, it's funny because in a lot of ways, it's not an easy task for established businesses because then it's about change management and adopting. And I, I know when you look back historically and don't ask me to cite any references or sources, but I, I know it's really always in times of great disruption, not from the overused business sense of the word, but times like this where everything's turned upside down, where you get some really fascinating business models that come out. And, and I think it's really interesting to start thinking about well, what are those new companies going to be that are not encumbered by how they used to do business and, and what, what 
value are they going to be able to provide? And, and I think for those of us that are more in that change management phase, it'll be interesting to look at that and see how we could take cues from that too. Yeah, I like that. I mean, like it, it, it is crazy. Like even tonight, the NFL draft is going off and it's all virtual. I, I have lots of fun thoughts of like what that's going to be like <laughs> tonight after we record this, because I feel like it'll be like, it'll be like, uh, Tampa Bay, you're you're uh, on the clock, and then it'll be like you're on mute, and they don't get their pick in or something like that. <laughs> I feel like just like all these things that were you know big productions and, and real events are now all virtual, and and there's a lot that can still go wrong. But it'll be interesting to see if we go back to um, normal after this. Interesting. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah. One thing I wanted to, to mine into it and, and explore a bit more was how can brands be authentic during this time? I mean, I think, I think whether it's clients we want to work with or, or anyone, people want to keep chatting with their customers, but you know, I came across, uh, a video and, you know, maybe we can send out the link after it was a, a guy named Microsoft Sam. No idea who this guy is, but he did a super cut of about a hundred different, in this case, TV ads that went out from different companies and um, turned it into one long spot because everyone's using the same background music. Everyone's saying we're all in this together. And, you know, while it might have been poignant initially, now it just seems very formulaic and I think isn't as authentic. So what's, what's the answer, Jackson? <laughs> How can we be authentic? Yeah, I mean... Uh- yeah, I mean, I think that's that's interesting. It kind of brings us back to the the sort of the start that transition from crisis phase to getting back to normal as much as it can be phase. And I think it, is it like a a kind of game of chicken to see which brand like could be a first mover on not being insensitive, but more being like authentically true to like you know whether it's mcdonald's or tim hortons or or someone to really embrace the fact that like there's no shame in like wanting a quarter pounder of cheese there's no shame in wanting mcdonald's french fries and you don't have to make every spot on those products about being thankful to people so i think it will be a bit back to your to your kind of thing it'll be a bit of a dance on how to which brands can do it effectively um some brands I don't think will be able to, but I think some brands could start to have like a little bit more authentic fun. And I agree. I, I, I think there doesn't need to be shame in uh, hoping to sell one's products and services. I mean, that's a far cry from being tone deaf to the situation. And I, I, think, uh, I think there's something to be said there. I think that's a good place for us to say goodbye to episode, maybe episode two, and then we'll, we'll pick it up and see where we're at in a couple of weeks for episode three and see if any of our prognostications have come to fruition. <laughs> <laughs>